Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. A lot of the time we think about scripture and of course that is the word of God but the word of God is much more than just a page and words uh, in our Bibles. The word is a super dynamic force uh, that's part of the divine essence of God. The word is more than just our interpretation of the words that have been handed down to us. Uh, And I believe one of the really beautiful things about scripture is that it's a chorus of different voices just sharing testimony about the goodness of God, about people's experiences with God. And we get to join uh, in that when we read and when we uh, engage in scripture uh, as a community. Uh, When I think about the things that I know about God and how I came to know them, uh, when I think about the Word of God, it's not just, you know, consulting one specific page. Uh, I'm looking at the chorus of voices that are in Scripture, but I'm also looking at the people in the community that have grew up around, the people who were steeped in Scripture and how that formed their lives and how their influence formed my life and shaped my life as well. So as we're going into... uh, the importance of scripture. I want you to keep that in mind. So let's dive in. Uh, The first uh, question that we need to answer uh, when we're thinking about the importance of the Word of God is what actually is the Word of God. And so I'm going to be jumping around a lot uh, throughout different types of, of passages in in scripture. I feel like if you're talking about the importance of the word, I think it's really important to let the word do the talking. Um, So uh, the first thing that we're going to go through, the word is a person, the word is life, and the word is the embodied wisdom of God. And that's coming from three different uh, places, um, but mostly from John. Uh, John uh, is a really cool book that's full of poetry, and that's one of the things that I really love, is that there's so many different genres uh, in scripture. And so, in looking at the word as a person, we see in John uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 13, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This one Uh, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of humanity, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In this particular passage, we see that uh, John is giving testimony about Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. So the Word of God is a person. Um, we can see that you know, throughout his life, he was steeped in Scripture, and he was empowered by the Spirit to live those words perfectly. The instruction and wisdom of God, uh, as we were supposed to be able to live it, was seen through Christ. Um, when we look further into John, uh, we look at how Jesus is described as uh, life. Uh, 
Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, the path to eternal life. In John 6, verses 45 through 51, uh, it says, It is written in the prophets, and they will, be, uh, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who hears from the Father and learns comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. This one has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that some may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world the life of the world is my flesh. So we see through this that uh, Jesus is the way to eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is the, the 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 life. You know, the Word of God come to life, uh, and it is through His life that we are able to connect to God, to be able to live forever. Uh, this third passage is a continuation from that first passage in uh, John chapter 1 uh, and it talks about how Jesus tabernacled among us he came down with us uh, to show that uh, the word is the embodied wisdom of God uh, it's John chapter 1 verses 14 through 18 and the word became flesh and took up residence among us and we saw his glory glory as of the one and only from the father full of grace and truth John the Baptist testified about him and cried out, saying, This one was he about whom I said, The one who comes after me is ahead of me, because he existed before me. For from his fullness we have all received, and grace after grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came about through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The one and only God, the one who is in the bosom of the Father, that is that one has made him known. We see that uh, because Jesus is uh, empowered by the Spirit, uh, he is the one that came down among us to show us what the wisdom of God looks like. Um, And not just what the wisdom of God looks like for our sort of personal lives, but the effect that the wisdom of God has when it is lived out. Uh, when we are fully human, empowered by God, connected to God as we were supposed to in Eden. So the second thing, the second question uh, that we have to ask when we're thinking about the Word of God is what does the Word do? Um, One of my favorite things about the Word is its transformative power. Uh, The more I read the Bible, the more I'm convinced that the Bible actually tells a really compelling story about what the world should look like. Like I said before, I've been around so many people who've been shaped by these words, empowered by the Spirit to live these words out as best they can. And the people that I've seen who've done that, their lives are full of miracles, full of unexplainable things that you can't say anything but God did this, God was here. Um, 
and uh, their their lives were really interesting and successful, not because they meticulously planned everything, because they were smarter than everyone or more talented than everyone, but because they singly believed that these words were true and they acted upon them. And God responded in faithfulness. I've gotten to experience some of these things uh, myself, and when I look back uh, at my experiences uh, and I look at the the scripture, it confirms those experiences. And these are the things that when I look at the word, um, these are the sort of major bullet points of what the word does. Um, This isn't an exhaustive list, but it is uh, a start. First, the word creates. Um, In Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, we say, uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Uh, So we see that the Word of God, the way that God uses His Word, He uses it to create. Um, He created everything that we see. And it says, uh, again, in that passage in John, that nothing was created uh, outside of what was created with the Word of God. The second thing, the Word transforms. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, it says, Therefore I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable act of service. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may approve what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. So here we see that uh, the word is transformative. That the more time we spend in the word, the more time we dedicate our lives to trying to live it out, the more it actually changes us. It changes our desires, changes the way that we think about the world. It transforms the frameworks that we have for how things actually work. The next thing that the word does, the word instructs and makes people wise for the purpose of salvation. Uh, in 2 Timothy uh, 3, uh, verses 14 through 17, it says, But you continue in the things which you have learned and are convinced of, because you know from whom you learn them, and that from childhood you have known the holy writings and that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, in order that the person of God may be competent, equipped uh, for every good work. So the word of God is specifically for instruction, uh, to teach us what it is to be human, uh, so that we can be equipped for all of the good work that God created back in Genesis. Um, Every time God created something, on each day, he pronounced it as good. Um, And if you look in Ephesians, back from the sit, stand, walk series that we did, it talks about how we were created for good works at the very beginning. That was always our purpose. And so the word is specifically for teaching us what those good works are. And I'll come back to that in a second. Um, The third thing, the word liberates. Um... One of the things that we see in Jesus' life is that he was always, always seeking the people who were on the margins, people who were oppressed, 
people who had no way out of the situations that they were in. And so when he starts his ministry, uh, when he is in the synagogue, uh, he reads from a passage in Isaiah. And it's Isaiah 61, uh, starting uh, at verse 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me, because Yahweh has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, and liberation to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of Yahweh's favor and our God's day of vengeance, to comfort all those in mourning, to give for those uh, in mourning and sorry, to give for those in mourning in Zion, to give them a head wrap instead of ashes, uh, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh to show his glory, and they shall build the ancient ruins, and they shall erect the former deserted places, and they shall restore the devastated cities and deserted places of many generations. So, we see that Jesus is the word of God come to life. And this is the mission that he says he has. Um, and part of, that, part of that mission is speaking. So when he's talking about bringing good news, he's speaking the word of God and recreating things to give good news to the oppressed. Uh, when he's binding up the brokenhearted, he's, he's comforting them with his words. Uh, he's proclaiming release to the captives and liberation to those who are bound to those who are incarcerated, to those who are trapped in situations that they cannot get out of. God's word is, its mission, its purpose in the world is to make sure that no one is stuck in those places anymore. Um, God comes and uh, gives comfort to those who are mourning and joy uh, when they're they're in that that state of mourning. and that's, that's what Jesus does. That's what the word of God comes to do on earth. Um, and one of the things that I found really interesting um, uh, when you think about this particular passage is that there are two things that are actually happening, which leads me to the next thing the word, uh, the word does. The word judges. Um, uh, Hebrews 4, verses 11 through 12 says... For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the reflections and thoughts of the heart. And no creature is hidden in the sight of him, but all things are naked and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must give our account. And when you think about God being a liberator, obviously the day of... of uh, those being uh, the the day that those who are under oppression get liberated is a fantastic day. But one of the things that we don't necessarily think about when we think about that is what happens to those who are oppressing them. That day of jubilee, that year of jubilee that Jesus came to uh, to announce to the world, is a day of reckoning, of judgment, of overturning for those who benefit from systems of oppression, uh, who perpetuate those systems. We cheer on the pursuits of justice and we love to hear how people overcome 
the odds and you know you know they're the underdogs we hear about you know the civil rights movement and we hear about you know the people who are fighting in Ukraine and we're like yeah go get them you know um, but we we don't really stop to think like what does that actually look like you know for the people who are in those places of privilege who are benefiting from oppression um, and I think that's a really interesting thought to really like dive into um, what will the world look like when God comes to make all things new um, how will we be affected um, because the world is really complicated, and there are ways in which we are fighting for justice, but there are also ways in which we all benefit from the exploitation and, and, and uh, the oppression of other people. And when God comes to make all of those things right, when the, all of the wrongs are righted, what will our lives actually look like? How much will we lose to make sure that everybody else has enough, so that there is abundance for everyone, and not just a few? Um, when God finishes his work of executing justice um, and reordering creation for flourishing and perfect peace, um, it will be a day that feels a lot like chaos and decreation for a lot of people. So this leads me to uh, the final question that uh, I want us to ask um, when we think about, all right, you know, what is the word? The word is Christ uh, come to us. Uh, it is embodied. Um, the Word of God is dynamic. The Word of God's purpose is to liberate, to set free, to bring peace, to usher in shalom, to get us back to a state where we were back in the garden. Um, but what should we do about it in the meantime? Um, so the first thing that we need to do, uh, according to Scripture, is meditate on it. Uh, Psalm verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the assembly of mockers. Instead, in the law of Yahweh is his delight, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so he is like a tree planted by streams of water that gives its fruit in due season. Its leaf also does not wither. Therefore, all that he does prospers. Uh, in, in Hebrew, the word for meditate is hagah. It's a word that means to mumble or mutter to oneself for the purpose of concentrating one's whole being on what is being said. Mind, body, spirit, like all of your will, your emotions concentrated on this one thing. Uh, in essence, what we're doing is we're using the breath that God gave us the thing that he breathed into us to make us alive. Uh, and we're repeating his words back to him as an act of worship and discipleship through, through study. Um, and in this particular passage, there's a ton of references to Genesis. Um, it, you know, with the tree being planted by streams of water that gives fruit, uh, we're talking about the word being not just a source of life, but the actual tree of life uh, that we see back in Genesis. Um, so the... the the choice that we all you know, come to as humanity when we have that choice between the tree of life and the tree of knowing good from, from evil uh, is the choice of choosing God's wisdom and living by that or choosing to figure out what we want to be good and evil on our own. Second thing that we have to do 
is that once we have meditated on it, we have to actually believe it. Um, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Uh, If you know anything about Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in scripture because it's a giant acrostic poem uh, about uh, uh, the the author's relationship with the word of God. Um, There's a ton of really beautiful language here and it really resonates deeply when you bring all of the pieces of the word of God into view and you concentrate on it when you read those scriptures. Uh, to say, I treasure your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. If the word of God is not just the words on the page, not just law, not just you know, these instructions of do and do not, but if the, if the word is a person, the person of Jesus, and we are treasuring Christ in our hearts, um, doing that makes us more like him so that we do not sin. Um, the, sec- the, the third thing uh, that, uh, that we should do is once we believe it we should act on it um, and this is something that I feel like I'm still sort of parsing out some of the implications of what this actually means especially in light of the idea of the word of God being not just a liberating force, but also that judging force and trying to parse out the different areas of my life where I am fighting for justice and the different areas of my life where I'm benefiting on systems of oppression. Um, And so we see that uh, we should act on it because if we aren't acting on it, it, it's not something that we actually believe. Um, So James chapter 2, verse 18, 18 through 26 says, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. But do you want to know, a foolish person, that, uh, oh foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was working together with his works, and by the works of faith was by the works of faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by you you see that a, just, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And likewise Was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body is, the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So the third thing that we have to do in response to the word of God is act on it. Um, If we're not acting on it, we can't really say that we believe it because the things that we really do internalize and believe are the things that we act on every single day. Mm -hmm. Everybody is sitting in a chair. Why? Because you believe the chair is going to hold you up when you put your weight on it. If you didn't believe that the chair was going to hold your weight when you put your weight on it, you wouldn't have sat in the chair in the first place. And so when we look at the things that the Word of God is doing and liberating, fighting for the the oppressed, the widows, the orphans, uh, coming to uh, comfort uh, those who are mourning, those who are in prison, those who are sick, 
um, when we look at the mission of Christ, if we are not acting in the same way, I feel like the question that I've been asking is, do I actually believe those things? Or have I agreed that those things are good by mental assent? But do I actually actually believe that those things were meant for me? Do I believe that those things are a part of what God is actually doing in the world? Um, and that I am, as a child of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just to pursue those things, but to do those things in ways in which the only answer is that God was here. The last thing that uh, we should do in response is to testify about what the work of God's word you know, is doing in our lives. How can people... Uh, come to understanding of who God is, they never hear. Um, and so one of the things that uh, we should be doing is testifying. Uh, it says that by the word of our testimony, we will overcome at the very end in Revelation that um, uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that is how we defeat darkness. And so if we are imbibing scripture, meditating on it, uh, believing in it and then acting on it, we will have testimonies. We will have testimonies and it will just be lives full of testimonies of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Uh, and when we share those testimonies, it is an invitation to all those who are listening to be invited into that goodness, to taste and see that the Lord is good uh, and that when we act upon the truth of his word, uh, it has something for everyone.